Oh, marriage fundamentals. Marriage fundamentals. Now, marriage is fun, can be fun, amen, but it, but it can also make us mental. It's where the fundamental comes in, right? So marriage fundamental. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11, And unto the married I command you, uh, not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Now, I'm going to give you some introduction here, because for the next couple of weeks at least, maybe three weeks, I want, to, I, want, I want you to hear my heart on this, okay? So this is probably the most difficult topic that I've ever had to study out and preach. It just is. And I preach some. Y'all know that I don't skip over stuff in the scriptures. I come to difficult passages. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach it as, 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 I, as, I, as true to the Word of God as I possibly can. And, and I come up here and I, you know, I could come up here and I could spout off someone else's understanding or their views, their interpretation on these issues. And, and I could probably get away with very little pushback, um, but I can't do that. I'm not just going to come up here and tell you, well, this person says this and it makes it easy for me to communicate. I'm not going to do that. You know, I truly fear preaching anything that is not true. That's a fear that I have. And as I've wrestled with this, that's the, and I do wrestle. I wrestled with it, okay? Uh, I, 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 listen, I know I'm not perfect. Y'all know I'm not perfect, okay? And, and I don't have perfect understanding, perfect wisdom. I don't ever want to say what God has not said, amen? I don't want to be stricter than the Word of God, and I certainly don't want to ever be more liberal than the Word of God is. My heart is to preach truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So as we study this issue, marriage, and we're going to look at divorce and remarriage, believe it or not, there are many, many, many different views on this issue. And in the passages that we're going to look at, there are multiple views and interpretation uh, on them. And I'm going to try to give you a very clear picture of what other people speak and, and teach on these issues. And I'm going to tell you what, what my conviction is. And, and, and we'll come down on this. So I know it, 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 this can be a painful topic. I think I can safely assume that there's not a person in this room this morning that has not been touched by or hurt by this issue when I talk about marriage and divorce. Amen? Amen. I think I can safely say that. I, I would be surprised if there's a single person here that in some way has not been touched and even hurt by this issue. Uh, divorce is always painful to individuals, to children, to families, and society. So what we must do when we come to all Scripture, but especially when we come to these difficult Scriptures, we have to come to the Scriptures without preconceived notions. All right? So I'm going to ask you to just, you got in your head on this topic. I want you to just come in here without any preconceived, this is the way it is. Okay? Don't, don't, don't come that way because that's a very, we come in with our pride then. We've got a fence up. What I'm asking you to do is just drop, your, drop the fence down. And, and, and let's work through this, okay? So don't come with preconceived notions. Don't come with personal bias. You know, one of the things we push back on today is one of the problems with wokeness is that your personal experience, that person's personal experience, over, it, it overlays and it's more important than truth, right? right? We do the same thing in Christianity where my personal experience trumps the truth. Well, I know what the Bible says, but... When we talked about that last week, the yeah buts. So don't come with personal bias. Uh, we don't want to come with compromise. You know, we want to find, thus saith the Lord. Amen? Amen? And that's my heart, and I know that's your heart. So 
Uh, not thus says so-and-so. So-and-so says this on this. And not thus says your best friend or your family member or the culture or even myself. Now, I don't mean myself. I mean yourself. You go, this is me or, or I shouldn't take that approach. Well, this is what I believe and I'm going to find scripture that backs it up. I'm going to find scripture that makes me look good in this situation. That's not what we want to do. What we want to do is try, truly find the heart of God on this issue as we would with any issue that we look at in the scriptures. So before we begin this, I ask you to fully hear me out on this issue before you make any judgment, okay? Because I'm going to preach this week on it. I, I'm, I can't be exhaustive this week. I probably might not even be exhaustive next week. I might be exhausted, but I won't be exhaustive. There's still going to be things to cover. But let me work through this and finish the teaching on this issue before you get mad at me or before you cheer, whichever it may be, okay? Can, can we agree to that? All right, well, y'all promise not to stone me until I finish. Then if you want to, then that's different, okay? So please know that I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't ever come up here to preach anything that would hurt. I desire to help, and I cannot, and I am not helping if I do not speak the whole truth or if I compromise what I'm convicted is the biblical truth on, on any topic. Amen? Amen. Okay. So what I'm teaching, I'm teaching to, now, now understand this, what I'm teaching, now there's a lot of people in our congregation today, and I, I don't know where every person is with the Lord, but as I'm teaching this issue, I am teaching to the born-again, God-loving, Spirit-filled follower of Christ who wants what he wants and who wants to seek his will in every area of his life. So know that's who I'm speaking to. And if, and if that's where you are, you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to be upset with what I, what I have to preach, okay? So let's open up with a word of prayer as we look to the Word of God. Father, thank you again for just a blessed morning that we have had already. The songs have touched our heart. Uh, Lord, what a joyous occasion to be here for Levi's uh, public profession of faith and going through the waters of baptism. Lord, I pray you'll bless that young man. I pray you'll help him to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of that today. And now, Lord, as we come to the Word of God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear. You would give us uh, open hearts uh, to, to clearly discern that we would listen to the Holy Spirit and that, Father, we would, we would allow you to speak to our hearts to teach us. I don't want people to hear me this morning, Lord. I want folks to hear you. I want to hear your word and to hear your heart. And so, Lord, help us over these next few weeks as we look at a very difficult situation, very difficult topic. God, speak truth into our lives and uh, then, then show us, Lord, where to go from there with it. So we thank you already for what you're going to do. Bless now in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, when I preach a wedding, and I preach a lot of weddings, I, I, I use a quote, and it's a quote I always open with, and it's, it's this. It's, marriage is an institution of divine appointment and therefore should not be entered into lightly, but discreetly and soberly. Though we have a good time, though we enjoy it, and it's a wonderful event, we must enter into it with seriousness. Marriage is God's idea. God is the one who instituted this. It's not just sociologically a good idea. It's not just a good basis for a government and a society. It's God's idea. The first institution the Lord set up in, in order was the family. He declared it is not good that the man should be alone. Man needed something to complete, complete him, and the, man, or the woman God gave Adam was his helpmeet, his completion. 
This is just God's idea. God said, this is just the way it's to be done. Therefore, we look to God in this momentous occasion with seriousness. Now, when I start that, I said, should not be entered into lightly, but discreetly and soberly. You know, I think one of the problems we have in marriage today, and I'll start with this, is that marriage is not entered into lightly, or it is entered into lightly now. It's not entered into discreetly and soberly. Too many very flippantly go into marriage today, if they go into marriage at all. But many take marriage and, and their, their approach to it is, well, you know, it's like I've shared with you before. I had a friend went right out of high school in 1986 who said, well, if it doesn't work out, there's always divorce. If that's your attitude going in, there's probably a divorce in your future. You're, you're going in with the wrong attitude. Marriage is not to be entered into lightly. And this, this quote came to my mind. Look, if you enter into marriage lightly, you're going to carry a heavy burden. It's amazing when we come into it very discreetly, very soberly, very seriously. We, we, we make sure this is God's will for our life. Uh, the, the, the few in here that have been through counsel with me know that I, uh, they were shocked the first time I said, I'm going to do all I can to talk you out of this. And they were like, I don't know if we want you to do our counseling. But they understand now what I was doing to make sure that this was God's will for their life. They've got to discern that and, it, and not go into a wedding Flippantly, it needs to be very serious. So when we come to this question, what does, so, so what does God have to say about marriage? We just read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, and we'll read it again. And, and unto the married I command. So those who are married, let not I, uh, yet not I, but the Lord. So the Lord has spoke on this, this issue. Paul is reiterating here. He says, let not the wife depart from her husband. And, uh, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. So the question that always comes with, with the teaching on marriage, because it is something that has touched all of us, is this. Is it ever okay to get a divorce? How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I promise you, as we start talking about marriage, first question is, in your mind, people are asking, if he's going to preach on marriage, then is it ever okay to get a divorce? Is he going to deal with that? Yeah, I'm going to deal with that. We're going to talk about that. We've got to understand marriage first. So let me start by saying what God has clearly said, okay? Malachi 2.16, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, Okay, God says, uh, the, the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce for it covers one's garment with violence. You hear the wording there? Divorce is a violent thing. It is a tearing apart of two people. It, it, so, so God hates divorce for it covers one's garments with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. God hates divorce, but God does not hate people who have been divorced. Hear me on that. God hates divorce. God, it's the, the, the God hates sin. Amen? Amen? God doesn't hate the sinner. God hates the sin. And uh, when we have been forgiven, when we come to the Lord, we, we're sinners still. He loves us. God hates divorce because God loves people. Amen? So let me, let me say this, this right here. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Um, I'm, I would be certain if I asked you to raise your hand, some of you have been taught that, that divorce is the unforgivable, unpardonable sin. I'm just going to tell you right here, it's not. Divorce is not that, okay? Uh, is it ever okay? So then the question comes back. Is it ever okay to get a divorce? Well, 
I don't, I don't really like, even though I came up with the question, I don't really like the phrasing of the question itself. It makes me uncomfortable. So there's some things we need to know from Scripture before we go further, okay? Some things we need to agree on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention some things, and then I'm going to ask you to affirm it. Or not. If you don't affirm it, that's fine. But I, I want to see if you agree with these statements on the Scriptures, on the Word of God, all right? So some things from Scripture. God is more concerned with my holiness than He is my happiness. Amen? amen? Let's hear amen if you agree. Amen. amen. All right. He is more concerned with my, happy, I mean my holiness than my happiness. Christianity today, there's a whole lot of, God wants me to be happy. And you can go live any way you want to. God just wants me to be happy. I'm just telling you, folks, you're worshiping an idol and a false god. You've created your own God because that's not the God of the Bible. God, God would love for you to be happy, but it's within the, within the scope of your holiness. Amen? Okay. The second thing, God always wants me to pursue his will and way, not my will and way. Amen? Amen. Okay. God's will and way always brings life. The Bible calls it abundant life. It always brings life, not death. His will brings that. John 10, 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. God's will brings life. Amen? Amen. All right. Forgiveness is always God's will for us with others. God's will. And you're already amening. Okay. Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to 70 times seven. That's 490 if you like to keep count. And Jesus wasn't saying, all right, if your brother does something against you, you can keep a stroke count. You know, get, get, carry a clicker around. And when you get to 490, you got to forgive them at 490. But 491, all bets are off. That's not the heart of what Christ was saying there. He's saying, is he saying, forgive them. His, his desire for us is to forgive those around us, right? Those who might hurt us or do something against us. So forgiveness is always God's will for us with others. Amen? Amen. Okay, you agree. Reconciliation always got, is always God's desire with us. And for us, reconciliation, that's the desire. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So his desire is to be reconciled with us and for then us to go out with the ministry of reconciliation, bringing others to Christ, to be agents of reconciliation. Amen? So that's the to be reconciled with us. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So, reconciliation is always God's desire with us and for us. Amen if you agree. Amen. All right. So, would you, would you agree with the things that we've just said? Those are, those are the mind of God, the very clear mind and heart of God on issues in life. Amen? Okay. So, we go back to the question. Is it ever okay to get a divorce? If there's ever a time to get divorced, it should only be for the goal of bringing repentance and reconciliation. Now, let me just say right here, don't stop listening. Already, there are some in here who are going to go, well, that's, you ain't doing it out loud, I'd hear it, everybody would hear it. But that's what you're thinking in your heart. Right now, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, let me work through this and listen. 
If there's ever time to get divorced, based on what we just read about God's desire for the way we interact with other people, His desire, if there's ever a time to get divorced, it should be only for the goal of bringing repentance and reconciliation. You're going to hear those words a lot. Repentance and reconciliation. Everything we should do is for the purpose of restoring what God has said is right and true. Amen? Okay? So, if you ever get a divorce, it should be with the goal to reconcile marriage. That should be the goal. If there is a divorce in your life, it should be with the goal of, to reconcile a marriage. So how did Jesus answer this question? Let's look at Matthew 19. Under the, if, you, if you read in Matthew 19, when we begin in the early part of that, under the context of this conversation, when you understand the context of this conversation, we see here that the Pharisees are not looking for a marriage loophole. They're not coming to Jesus asking, they're not asking a marriage question because they really want to know a marriage answer. They're coming with a one purpose and it's to trick him. They already had the marriage loophole. There was teaching. There were some who taught you could only get married in this one instance. There were others who taught you can get, or you can only get divorced. I'm sorry, you can get married in all instances, but you can only get divorced in this one thing. Others who said you can only get divorced with anything, whatever. You don't like the way she combs her hair in the morning, you can divorce her. Send her out, go get you another wife. So you have a very liberal teaching, you have a very traditional teaching, okay? And, and so as they came to him, they're not looking for understanding of what the scripture said about marriage and divorce. They were coming to get him with a gotcha moment. That's what they were trying to do. They're trying to trip him up. They, they want him to, to, to trip him up and thus discredit him because you got a big group that taught this and a big group that taught this. And he's going to offend one of those groups. One of them's going to be mad at him because he doesn't agree with what they believe. Okay, that's what they're trying to do. We get to Matthew 19, verse 3. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? They want his answer because they want to trap him. Any, any way that he answers, he's going to be alienating one of those groups. That's what's going on here. And, and uh, again, one of them taught very liberally. One of them taught more traditionally. They want to know if Jesus will embrace. Here's ultimately what they're asking. Is Jesus going to embrace the liberal teaching on marriage or is he going to embrace the traditional biblical view on marriage? Which one is Jesus going to embrace? Let's look at verse 4 and 5 and let's see what Jesus says. Verse 4, he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, verse 5, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now this is Jesus quoting, not going back and quoting Moses. He goes back to the beginning. He goes back to the original establishment of marriage. God's first uh, ordained institution, the marriage. He, he goes back to Genesis chapter 2, and it's a direct quote there from Genesis chapter 2. But now Jesus adds something here. He says, he says in verse 6, he says, So then, so, so then, what does that mean, that, that the, the two shall become one flesh? And he, and he elaborates. He says, They are no longer two but one flesh. He doesn't have the idea when you get married, it's you and you. He has the idea that it's you. Okay? That's what he's saying. You're no longer two, you're one. The two become one. Therefore, now anytime there's a therefore, you got to understand what is, you got to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? 
What, what, is he, what is he saying here? What is he going to say? So everything that he's just said, everything Jesus just said, the therefore, watch this now, he says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. This is what Jesus said. So the Bible, what we see from Jesus here, the Bible clearly teaches, and Jesus here, he reiterates this, that God in his creation of Adam and Eve as husband and wife designed marriage to be lifelong, covenantal, monogamous, and between male and female. And additionally, we know that Scripture explicitly commands that a believer is not to be joined together with an unbeliever. Okay, So those are things we know from Scripture, God's will on Scripture. So let's, let's break that down a little bit. What is the lifelong? What does that really look like? What does it mean? He says, he, he says so, so the question is, then, who joins the two together? And I asked this last week, but when I have to do a marriage ceremony and, and you know, people go, well, I married them. I, I didn't marry them. I work a ceremony. I just speak some words. Who is it that puts them together? God puts them together. Exactly. So what God has joined together, that's what Jesus said, what God has joined together. Now that word, the phrase there, joined together, here's what it means. It means conjoined. Y'all know what that is, right? You've heard of conjoined twins? So they're two distinct individuals, but they're, they're sharing one body. Whether they're joined, they're, they're, there was a couple of babies that were joined at the top of their heads. And for years they lived that way and they separated them. I don't remember how that went, but they ended up separating them. Others that might share, they actually share torso with one leg over here, you know, and they've got two heads. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing, but you know what? That's still, they're still God's, God, that's God's creation. God still loves them. But they're conjoined. Separating them is, is that really simple to do? No. He puts them together. He says God has joined together. He has made them one. They are no longer two but one flesh. And what he says there, it's permanent. You can't separate them. They're no longer two individual people. They're one person. Tyler and Shelby are no longer Tyler and Shelby, the individuals. They're Tyler and Shelby, the one joined together in marriage. Okay, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it again next week. There are those who will tell you that marriage is primarily a sexual, um, sexual union. That that's what marriage is primarily. It's about sex. Folks, that's the least of it. Amen? Amen. Now I'm going to tell you, it's important. We've already laid that out a few weeks ago. That's important in a marriage. But there are things that happen sometimes and one partner physically is no longer able. Does that mean the marriage should dissolve? No. no. So it is not primarily a relationship based just on sex. That's the world's idea. When the two become one, it is mystical. It is much deeper than just physically coming together. The two become one. They, they, it's one life. We're living this thing together. Amen. He says, let no man separate. Who has the right, who has the right to unwon what God has wonned? No man, right? No man has a right to do that. Only God has the right to do that. How do we know that? Well, Romans uh, 7, 2 says, For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So, so it's a lifelong thing that only God, in the ideal of marriage, when you come together, Shelby and Tyler, you're together till one of you dies. 
So divorce really isn't an option. I told him this. Murder, maybe. <laughs> divorce, not. Okay, that's a joke. That's a joke. Don't go out of here. Take me literally on that. That's a joke. That's a, All right, folks, I apologize. I probably shouldn't have used that joke. Paul even says it, 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 Paul even says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. When you read on down, you get to verse 39. He says this, a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. So we understand there that marriage, when, when two people get married, the ideal is it is for life. That is, we go into this, it is for life. And the only thing that's going to end this marriage is I die or you die. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's lifelong. It's covenantal. Now, it's a covenant, not a contract. Marriage is not a contract. If you enter into marriage with a contract, as a contract, it won't last because one of you is going to break the contract and you're going to real quickly, you're going to go, I'm out of here because you've broken my contract. It's not a contract, it's a covenant. A contract is an agreement between parties while a covenant is a pledge. A contract is an agreement you can break while a covenant is a perpetual promise. I'm glad that our God is a covenantal God, not a, not a contractual God. Hey, as long as you don't sin, I'll love you and I'll take you to heaven when you die. I'm glad he's a covenantal God. You sign a contract while you seal a covenant. A contract is mutually beneficial, is a mutually beneficial relationship while a covenant is something you fulfill. See the difference? See, it's this mutual beneficial. As long as it's mutually beneficial, then I'm in. But as long as, as soon as I'm giving more than, than I'm getting in this, eh, that's not how a covenant works. Covenant says you're in it. You've got a part to fulfill in that. You, you've got a part. All right, it's monogamous. Again, we've, we've hit this for a couple of weeks. One man, one woman. One man, one woman. That means no homosexual marriage, no polygamy. And, and we're to be joined in like-mindedness. That's being, uh, not being unequally yoked. It means we are equally yoked. It means we have someone who believes the way we believe. So when you get married, here's the deal. When you get married, you go on mission together. It's an adjustment to every area of your life. You leave father and mother. You cleave to your spouse. It is a reset in life. This is a major, major change. It's a reset, a refocusing with the one that you wed. You're going on mission together. And, and let me say this. The goal of marriage, Tyler and Shelby, I'm going to pick on you all a little bit today, our newlyweds. They're still smiling, so I'm, it, the, they're, they're, they, have, they haven't had the first big fight yet, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they have. Maybe they have. None of my business. Um, if you need counsel, though, you know my number. All right. Um, the goal of marriage, folks, the goal of marriage is not that you wouldn't have an affair. That is not. That's a pretty low bar goal. That's a pretty low bar goal. The goal of marriage is not that you wouldn't have an affair or that you don't get a divorce, though you shouldn't do either of those. The goal of marriage is oneness. It's oneness that honors God. That's, that's the goal of our marriage. So, question for you. Does Jesus, based on what he has said, his words, does Jesus have a high view of marriage? Yes or no? Boy, that was weak. Does Jesus have a high regard for marriage? Yes. Who says no? Nobody would say no after that. But it should be. It should be a resounding yes. Jesus has a very high regard for marriage. 
So in this conversation with the Pharisees, does he take the traditional view of marriage or the liberal view of marriage? Traditional. He takes the traditional view. So from what Jesus said, would you conclude that a person can divorce, a, uh, a person can, can get a divorce for just any reason? Yes or no? No. Okay. Well, good. That wasn't so hard, was it? I'm not done, but that's, y'all with me? Y'all are like, I'm not saying anything because, man, this, okay, let's move on. Let's see what, let's see what, uh, how the conversation continues. We understand the scriptures, God, Jesus Christ, who is God, he wrote it. You want to say, what did Jesus think of something? Well, read your Bible because he is God. He is part of the Trinity. He is part, he and the Holy Spirit and God the Father are all three one and the Holy Spirit inspired all the right. So Jesus never spoke on that. Jesus spoke on everything that's in the word of God. Understand that. So we understand from that, God has a very, very high view of marriage. So let's see how the conversation continues. Then verse 7 there in Matthew 19. So they said to him, why then did Moses, listen to their wording, command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said, Jesus said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So what has he just said? He goes back to, again, to the beginning, to the ideal of marriage, what was established. It wasn't that you get married and if it doesn't work out, get a divorce. That was not the ideal. That was not, from the beginning, the plan. He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart. Moses never, ever, ever commanded divorce. Okay, you can go back and read the law. He doesn't command divorce. He permitted it. And here's basically what he did, folks. He set up guidelines for what they were going to do anyway. He set up guidelines, that, and the goal of it was to protect the women. Women were being abused. These men were, 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 were pathological um, uh, monogamy, monogamizers, if, that's, if that even is a word. Here they were patholo- Here what they would do. They would get a wife, they'd divorce her. They'd go get another wife, they'd divorce her. They'd get another wife, they'd divorce her. They didn't have multiple wives, but they had... They just, they just, man, it was, it was, you don't like this one, get rid of her, get another one. And, and then the women are put out. They don't, so he, he, he commands them. He did command that a man divorcing his wife write a bill of divorcement. And that was done to protect her. It was done for her protection. So when these people, the liberals out there who say that the word of God, that the Bible is, 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 is sexist, Go back and read it. There, you know, we may be sexist. Men through the years may have been sexist, but God's not. God has continually worked to make life better for women because he understands the heart of man and how wicked we are. Amen? Y'all can amen women. Y'all can amen that. Um, Jesus says here, Moses did that because, what? Of the hardness of your hearts. The reason he permitted you to do that. He didn't command it. The reason he permitted it was because of the hardness of your hearts. Now, in a word, what is that? Hardness of your hearts. Who said sin? Sin. 
In a word, it's sin, and, it, and pride is sin, so it would be. And, and often that is the, the, the sin in a marriage, is the sin of pride, and why something happens and it falls apart. It's, it's that. It's sin because of the hardness of your hearts. He's saying that to them. So those in Moses' day, hard-hearted. Those right there, as, as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, hard-hearted because of the hardness. He didn't say because of the hardness of their hearts. He said because of the hardness of your hearts. He permitted that. So again, divorce is not the unforgivable sin, but divorce is always the result of sin. It is always the result of the hardness of heart. So as we begin to wrap this up, bad assumption here concerning marriage and divorce. Um, the, the assumption is this. We have two options. Okay, I, I can stay in this bad marriage and be miserable or I can get a divorce and get on with my life and be happy. Can I tell you, those, that's pretty poor choices. They're pretty poor choices. And, it's, and, and there's a lot more choices than that right there. Those are not your only options. I can stay in a bad marriage and be miserable, or I can divorce and get on with my life and be happy. See the equation there? Well, I've got a bad marriage, so I'm going to be miserable. Or if I get a divorce, I'll be happy. You know what? you probably got friends. There are friends who've counseled that way. Well, God just wants you to be happy. You just should leave them and move on and go, go on with your life. That, listen, th th those are two choices. Those aren't the only choices, and they're not great choices. See, there's even better choice, and, and, and it's, uh, it's this, that we can deal with this issue and these things in God's way. Amen? We should always deal with things in life God's way. That's an even better way, and, it, and, and, and that is the way, if we do it His way, it's the way that leads to reconciliation, restoration, and peace. We've already said that is the goal. That is the goal in every relationship in our life. That's not excluded in marriage. That is the goal. It is always to, to lead us His way will always lead us to reconciliation, restoration, and peace. So, then the question would be, how could divorce lead to restoration or reconciliation? Um, when it's used as, uh, what would be a word, a severe, maybe severe mercy, or, or it's an extreme act of consequence on someone. So let me explain. If you go back to Jeremiah chapter 3, you can write this down, you can go read this. Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. Listen to what the Lord says. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree. Now, what was she doing? She was, Israel was worshiping in the groves, in, 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 in making sacrifices to false gods. They were worshiping the false gods in the land. There was, they were committing idolatry, but they were committing adultery. They were cheating on the Lord. And he says, and, and there in the groves, on the mountaintops, and have played the harlot. And I said, after she had gone, done all these things, return to me. That's what the Lord said to Israel. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Verse 8. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery. That's what Israel had done is committed adultery. I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. So I want you to see here. That God in that, in that picture, it's not a personal relationship, me and my wife, this is God and Israel. He put Israel away and he gave her a certificate of divorce. Now, Israel wanted it. 
Israel wanted out, and Israel initiated it. God granted them their wish. He put them away and divorced them. They could not marry another god because there are no other gods. Okay? And there are only false gods and idols. God then allowed them to experience the horror of going their own way. And they later longed to be restored to God. That was their desire. They wanted to be restored. He put them away. He said, you want, you want away from me? I'll let you have away from me. And you're going to see how hard it is and how difficult it is and how painful it is. And you know what? Israel longed to be restored to God. And guess what? He was there to reconcile with them. The Lord put them away. It says he divorced them. He did not go and take another bride. He wanted them to come back and be reconciled to him. It's, something, it, it, it's sometimes appropriate to, to let them go and do their own thing. Then, then I live as God wants me to live. Hear this. I'm putting a lot on you. Hear this. Let it, sometimes you have to let them go. That's what someone wants. That's what they're insisting on. You can't fight it. You can't make them do something. They go. But you know what? You live as God wants you to live, and you let everyone see what a fool they were for leaving you. That's what you do. You live your life in that way. So why did God do this to Israel? Because of their sin. He did it because of their sin and because that's what they wanted. And I would say this. The ideal is the believing spouse should never initiate that. That should not be what a believing spouse should do. Should not initiate that. The person who is a serious follower of Christ should initiate reconciliation. That should be the desire. That should be the goal. Praying that God might restore what sin has destroyed. That is consistent with the heart of God. Amen? Amen. Now, I've, I've personally, through 20, 23 years, I guess now, of ministry, 23, 24 years of ministry, I've personally seen situations where one spouse left and they divorced and then they remarried for, for, for genuinely what seemed to be minor things. They were, not, they were not major abuse, fornication, not major things. They were minor things, and they destroyed what God had put together. And then I've seen others, I've witnessed people in my own eyes who they, they worked through the worst of situations and sin to reconcile and to live amazing lives together. That is the heart of God Amen. when it comes to marriage and divorce. The goal is always for the sincere follow of Christ, moving toward reconciliation and restoration. That's the heart of God. Now, that would lead us right to Matthew, 9, uh, Matthew 19, verse 9. And it's, it's what is known most, most, if you know it all about this, you know that this verse is called the exception clause. I'm going to read the verse. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Okay, we don't have time today. So if you want to hear the teaching on that, you've got to come back next week. All right? <laughs> So I hope I baited that a little bit because I, 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 genu I genuinely want you to come and hear the teaching on that. There's that verse right there, that verse right there, single, single verse is the reason there is so much diversity in, 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 in opinion and belief 
and uh, exercise and all that in the way divorce, marriage, remarriage, marriage, divorce, remarriage is handled is, is based on that verse. And so, so I hope you will come back because I'm going to give you all the different viewpoints that I know of. And uh, we'll try to get to what the scriptures say in the heart of that. Uh, Pastor Aaron, you and your team can come forward. Uh, I want to ask you just a couple of questions as we begin to wrap up right here. In review, who designed marriage? Who joins man and wife in marriage? Who can rightly end a marriage? Does God hate divorce? Is divorce the unforgivable sin? Does God hate divorced people? Some of them, maybe. No, kidding. What'd you say? What'd you say? Did you say I looked at Jan? Oh, I am. Um, what should always be the goal for the believer in regard to divorce? What should always be the goal? Yep. You're bouncing around it. Reconciliation, restoration, and I'll throw a third on there, peace. There should be peace. So reconciliation, restoration, and peace. Folks, do you understand why I've spent two or three weeks um, sleepless some nights as I study? And Gina has heard this preached a hundred times already. And because uh, we talk about it, and I'll share with her something. Around. I can't believe this guy says this right here. It does not even fit with Scripture. You know, it's like, I'm just going to put on it what I want it to be. So come back next week. Come back next week. And, and I'll share with you all of that on that so-called exception clause. Help us to understand what scriptures teach on that. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's, uh, let's stand, if you would. Simple, simple invitation today. Uh, I, God, listen, we're talking about marriage and divorce. And, and some of you go, well, man, the Lord's speaking to my heart about something, but I can't dare walk down there and pray. They'll think I'm, you know, i got marriage problems. No, we're not, we're not going to think anything. If you've got something on your heart this morning... And, uh, and this is an altar. We walk, use it as stairs, but this right now is an altar. This is a place for you to come and cast your care on the Lord. And if you want to come and pray about something this morning, maybe there's something heavy on your heart, if you want to come and pray. But, but I don't ever make the assumption in a, in a group any size, but particularly this size, that everybody that's in the, in the group right here knows the Lord as their Savior. I'll just tell you this. We're all sinners. We've all been separated by God Almighty because of our sin. And because of that sin... We'll, there's judgment on our life. And if we die in our sin, we'll, attend, we'll spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. But Jesus Christ, see, God loved us so much, He sent His Son. He sent Jesus. And Jesus came. God became flesh. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross of Calvary, died in our place. He bore our sin on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He, he was buried, and three days later, He rose again. He proved that He is God Almighty. And He proved He could do what He said He could do. And what He said He could do is if you believe Him, you trust on Him and in Him by faith, that He'll save you. He'll forgive your sin. He'll take you to heaven when you die. And He'll change your life here right now. Today, maybe that's you. And if that's you, I would invite you to step forward. Come down here. I'll take the Word of God. We'll sit right here on this first pew. I'll be glad to talk to you and introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. But if you've got any need, Come forward. Come talk to someone. We'll pray with you. Or if you just want to come to this altar and pray, we'd invite you to do that. Father, bless.